Thou therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction, and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me, findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me, wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me, love death. According to the Gospel of John and the first 18 verses, Jesus Christ is the Word, the wisdom of all creation. By him were all things made, and without him was not anything made that was made. Centuries before, King Solomon in Proverbs spoke also of the second person of the Trinity, as wisdom. He declared that wisdom created the worlds and that man is a part of wisdom's plan of creation, that wisdom summons fallen and sinful man to righteousness and wisdom mediates between God and man. This designation of The second person of the Trinity as wisdom was echoed by Jesus Christ, who called himself wisdom, according to Luke 7.35 and Matthew 11.19. He spoke of his pre-existence, as John 8.58 reports. He is the word, the logos, the wisdom of God. And St. Paul also called him the wisdom of God, as did the Apostle John. In 1 Corinthians 1, 24 and 30, in Romans 13, 27, in Colossians 2, 3, and in many another passage, he is spoken of as the wisdom of God. Wisdom bestows herself freely on those who will receive wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is described in this chapter as the beginning of wisdom. And to fear God means to hate evil. But wisdom is not only an attribute of the believer. And wisdom is not only a necessity for the Christian. Wisdom is an inescapable part of all creation. By him were all things made, and without him was not anything made that was made. So that nothing under the sun can exist apart from the wisdom of God. And so in verses... 22 to 31, we have the doctrine of wisdom of Christ as basic to all things, but even before this statement, we have the affirmation, by me kings reign. 
and princes decreed justice. The doctrine of the state is inseparable from the doctrine of Christ. Christ is the head not only of the church, but of the state. He is king of kings and lord of lords, and all things exist by his permission. In Romans 13, we are told that all authority is ministerial. There is no authority apart from God. And the nature of all authority under heaven is ministerial. This means that the authority is not exercised in the name of the person who bears it, or by his right, but in and of God, and only under the word of God. So that in the church, no man who ministers the word of God and the sacraments has any right to speak apart from the word of God. He has only a ministerial authority. He has no authority if he in any degree speaks apart from or in contradiction to the word of God. Similarly, in the state, all civil authorities are spoken of by Paul as ministers. Ministers of justice. And they cannot claim any authority over man apart from that which God's word allows and apart from this ministry of justice. By me kings reign and princes decree justice. But not only is government ordained by God, but every principle of law, of order, and of justice comes from God. Hence there is no rule, no authority possible apart from him. And to hate him, we are told, is to love death. As a result, the most corrupt state in the world has always had to have some element of law and order, some element that is, in a sense, a witness against itself. And that element is a concession to God in its own death warrant because it is a testimony against itself. Accordingly, even as the Soviet Union rules, by virtue of the elements of law and order to which it pays tribute, even when it seeks to suppress true law and order, it gives witness to God. It must allow a measure of Justice, a measure of reward, a measure of law, a measure of order, a measure of family life to exist or it will commit suicide. And to the extent that it permits anything, it testifies against itself and it rules by wisdom. And it rules, therefore, 
under God to the extent that it has any of these elements. Thus every atheist is an unwilling believer to the extent that he has any element of justice or order in his life, to the extent that he is even alive. Because life itself is the creation of God, and it cannot be lived apart from God's terms. All they that hate me love death. When nihilism in the last century flourished in the old Russia, a vivid description of that nihilism was written by the novelist Dostoevsky. The book in which he reports on that nihilism is a novel called The Possessed. A better translation is The Demon Possessed. And the story that he reports there was simply a novelized form of what was going around him in the student generation, the student revolutionists, the student nihilists or beatniks of the day. And scholars have traced many of the newspaper reports and clippings that document in considerable detail the various characters and incidents of Dostoevsky's The Possessed. A central figure in The Possessed is the man Kirillov, a student. And the passion of Kirillov's life is to deny God, to eliminate God from the world. But every time he turned around, he found himself affirming God. If he affirmed any kind of order, any kind of law that produced stability, he was resting ultimately on God's order. If he affirmed life, he was affirming God. And so finally Kirillov commits suicide, declaring this is the only practical way he knows of denying God. Again, in Friedrich Nietzsche, one of the great philosophers of the last century, we have a similar thing enacted in real life. Basic to Nietzsche was the proclamation of the death of God. And he is the founder of the death of God school. God was dead and Superman was born. And Superman would create a new world order based on the affirmation of life. God was gone, morals were gone, nothing remained but the affirmation of life. But Nietzsche found very quickly that when he was affirming life, he was ultimately affirming God. He could not have life except on certain terms. There were certain things inherent in life that worked for life and against the man who denied certain aspects of reality. And so ultimately he had to deny life 
because in affirming the life force, he was affirming God. And so Nietzsche's ultimate counsel was suicide. Suicide is the ultimate logical course of atheism. This fact was put vividly in the form of poetry by one of the brilliant young poets of the last century and the beginning of this century, a man whose life in itself was a dramatic struggle, Francis Thompson, the Hound of Heaven, in which he portrays the relentless pursuit of God as he tries to deny God and tries to affirm nature and children and friends and work, anything except God. But he finds in all of these things God coming face to face with him and God declaring, All things betray thee when thou betrayest me. And he feels himself in every area where he seeks to hide from God, pursued by God, unrelentingly. By me kings range, and princes decree justice, all they that hate me. Love death. Solomon then goes on to speak of the personal implications in verses 32 following. The will to death and the love of death are inescapable factors, he declares, in the life of a godless man. He that sinneth against me, says wisdom, sinneth against or wrongeth his own soul. And this will to death and this love of death is all the more dangerous because it is unrecognizable. And men are driven when they deny God by this will to death. Call it by any name he will, masochism, or being accident-prone, or sickness-prone, or trouble-prone, or an injustice-collector, whatever you will. It is a love of death. All they that hate me love death. This is inescapable. Very often those who love death mask their flight from God by seeking refuge in the church. But all they can do is to produce a joyless, lifeless religion which retreats from life. The love of death permeated Israel during much of its history. And it turned the Ten Commandments into a handwriting of ordinances against them. Because the law of God was given to the redeemed and to the saints of God as a promise of life. And it was 
so declared by God in Deuteronomy 6. But those who sin turn the law into a pursuing indictment. We see the love of death all around us in men today. In their contempt for the means of life, in their contempt for all things that are conducive to life and to health, to food, to sleep, to family, in their constant gambling and flirting with death, in their suicidal use of life. For as our Lord declared, all they that hate me, love death. He is the tree of life, Solomon declared. And the sorrowful words of wisdom spoken through the prophets throughout the Old Testament is this, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. And the word of our Lord to the world is this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and come that ye might have life, and that ye might have it more abundantly. This is the issue then, very simply, life or death. When men deny God, when they deny Christ, they are denying life. They are choosing death. By whatever name they may call their choice, the fact is inescapable. They have chosen death. And because men today all around us have chosen death, we see the implications of it every day as we pick up the newspapers. We see the politics of death, the politics of suicide all around us as men, having denied Christ and having denied life, bring death upon themselves. They are not stupid men. They are highly intelligent men in Washington, in London, and elsewhere. And it has taken a high degree of intelligence on their part to chart such a course of national and international action to make sure that it will lead to death. death into the course of nations, because all they that hate me love death. We see all around us men, not for any lack of intelligence, but with all the intelligence they can muster day after day, charting their own courses. The same love of death. 
let us recognize it for what it is. A love of death. A politics of death and of suicide. That we have been called to life and that more abundantly. So is wisdom prophesies. As God through his word summons us to life, he summons us to the fullness of all things. Because apart from him there is nothing. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father he declared, but by me. Choose ye this day whether ye shall live or die. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. Will this be God's word concerning us as a people? Or will we as individuals and as a people choose the way of life? Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee that Thou hast called us to the way of wisdom, to the way of life. We thank Thee that Thou hast set us apart unto life. And we pray, our Father, that the cause of light may prevail in our midst and around us. That thou wouldst make of us a beacon light of grace and of life unto this dark world. We thank thee, our God, that in the face of death we have a certainty of life and of life everlasting. Our God, we thank thee. Confirm us in this, our life in Christ. Make us strong and hold therein. In Jesus' name, Amen. Do we have any questions at this time? question and it involves quite a great deal. What are witches and what is involved in it? There were witches burned at the stake or executed in various ways during the latter part of the Middle Ages. 
and uh, subsequently, at the beginning of the modern era. Who were they? Now, they definitely were not the Halloween type of character. And this is a lot of nonsense that has been quite extensively promoted, and the idea has been circulated that this was a lot of superstition, and the whole thing represented a great deal of uh, bigotry. The reality is very different. There are a number of excellent books on the subject. I would say the best is by Dr. Murray of the University of London, who has written several books, the two most important, The Witchcraft Cult in the Middle Ages or in Medieval England, I'm not sure of the title, and the other, The God of the Witches, and a third, also very important, The Divine King in England. Now, the witchcraft movement was a highly organized religious and political movement. It was a recrudescence of the old paganism of Europe, the fertility cult, the highly sexual worship, and highly political. It was the subversive movement of the day. And it involved many of the activities that are commonplace together and uh, today in many of these subversive movements, such as Berkeley, where ritual acts of perversion and other things are necessary for membership. I heard yesterday of one such movement in the high schools of Los Angeles County a secret society for which certain public acts, sexual acts, are necessary before anyone can join. Now, this was one aspect of the witchcraft movement. They were highly organized into covens with male and female leaders. They were definitely subversive guests. Yes, wizards, they were called, wizards. Or warlocks, more often warlocks. Related, but somewhat different. The witchcraft movement was a definitely subversive movement that was aiming at the control and overthrow of the states of Europe. It was exceedingly powerful, and at times came within a hairbreadth of open control and had secret control of many of the states. Now, Dr. Murray believes, and there is a fantastic amount written on this in the way of debate back and forth, that Joan of Arc was one of the leaders of this movement, and that is why she had such a popular following. She refused to wear women's clothing. She never spoke of uh, God in anything but a veiled term, which was definitely non-Christian, and her closest associate, uh, Giles DeRay, 
was subsequently caught and involved in human sacrifice. So, uh, although some would say the case against Joan of Arc is not proven, certainly those associated with her, the case against them is definitely proven. But the movement was exceedingly powerful, and there is reason to believe that at times it gained control within the church quite extensively. And we have one picture of an Archbishop of England wearing a liberty cap, the Phrygian liberty cap, which is a symbol of this ancient movement. And you find the same tendencies and the same movement clearly behind the French Revolution. Well, I could go on at great length about the history of this movement. Now, these other things you mentioned are occultism which is related to it, but not necessarily always a part of the revolutionary activity, but closely linked with this, in that it represents a common religious view. Yes? Well, uh, that's a good question. I don't know, but Shaw definitely did uh, portrayed her as quite a heroine. Now, of course, she was made a saint in the early 20s because of her tremendous popularity among the French for nationalistic reasons. But uh, we must remember that uh, there still is a great deal of suspicion attaching to her. I personally find the evidence quite convincing. I have a copy of the trial record. And uh, she did maintain a good front to the last, but there were certain areas where she ducked the questioning. And it was not the English so much who were responsible for her execution as the French. The French church. The French churchmen felt that she was a total threat to the life of the church. Yes. Do you consider Madame de Bradke and timeless haunt of witches or occultists or both? Occultists, primarily. And definitely subversive, very definitely uh, Fabians, uh, very definitely uh, looking forward to a world socialist order ruled by occultist leaders. But the witchcraft movement was definitely a highly organized thing. We have today, of course, a concerted movement to portray the death of them as a kind of genocide, and we are told that millions were executed, which is total nonsense. Total nonsense. And at the same time, as I pointed out previously, we are told that it was a myth about the Christians being thrown to the lion or being persecuted by the Roman Empire, and there's never been any mass murder to compare to that. There were ten fearful persecutions as well as minor ones. Yes? Yes, a good question. Now, it is possible that in the Salem trials they became considerably alarmed 
and did go overboard. But, very definitely, this thing was involved in the Salem instance. And there were several people of very suspicious character who were very closely connected with some of these things. Now, there was maypole dancing connected with some of their rites. This seems harmless to us because all we can think about is kindergarten children. But the maypole originally was the male phallic uh, symbol, an emblem of it. And the whole of the maypole dance was a highly uh, sexual fertility rite, a religious rite. And these people gathered there to celebrate this at Salem and were involved in a number of highly suspicious activities. Now, it does appear that in fear of what had suddenly turned up in their midst, they did go overboard. But, definitely, there appears to have been something there. And Dr. Murray does believe that uh, the witchcraft movement was present. Now, Dr. Murray is not a Christian. Dr. Murray is not interested in making a case against the movement. Dr. Murray is simply reporting in these books one aspect of history uh, that she finds interesting. But you see, we have gone through history and debunked it to make uh, the good people fools or guilty people. Yes. Last Yes. God is simply a word that these people use, and it doesn't mean a thing. And when you try to find out what their definition of God is, you find that he is, in effect, non-existent. And it is fitting that these people who love death should go to the dead for guidance. Well, of course, we have the incident of the woman who was definitely uh, so possessed, and Paul healed her, and there was quite a bit of to do and commotion because of that. Yes. But I think it is significant that some of your modern psychiatrists like Jung, who together with Freud is one of the two great influences in the world of psychiatry, while he did not believe in God, 
believed in demons and in the reality of demon possession. And he wrote some very interesting things about that. That's an interesting along that line that uh, these people who might consider Kabbalists uh, and their witches now down in Haiti of the four leading uh, uh, witches there or uh, voodoo priests, uh, three of them are Kabbalists. There's a great deal of witchcraft in Haiti and a great deal of cannibalism too, uh, which reminds me, I referred a while back when one of you asked the question about this experiment at UCLA and at Chicago in uh, passing on the memory of earthworms uh, to other worms by grinding up the worms that had memorized certain little drills and feeding them to the other earthworms. When I was in Chicago two weeks ago, there was an editorial in the Chicago Tribune, and they suggested that uh, it would be a good thing to put this to the test in a very real way. Why not grind up some of our left-wing professors and feed them to some of these radical students and see if their knowledge would be passed on that way. <laughs> yes. Well, it is prophetic. Yes. A prophecy, yes. Well, the word prophecy in the Bible has a double meaning. In one sense, it is a prediction concerning the future. And this is the sense in which we usually speak of a prophecy. Something that God has predicted about the future. But prophecy has as its more basic meaning to speak for God. So that a prophet is one who speaks for God. So that the whole of the Bible is prophecy in that it is a speaking for God by various inspired men. But Certain passages alone are prophecies in the sense of predictions. Any other questions? Yes. I think it was last time we thought of the ministers and what they talked about and who's going to heaven and such. I heard another one. And this was a mixed audience with Negroes and Jews, his wife, and all of them. And this one lady flattened that uh, if the white people that are only going to heaven are considered the Israelites in the Old Testament. And then the question was asked, well, where are these other people going? 
And he says, I don't know and I don't care. And this is, mm-hmm. this is it. This is the prophecy and the final. Yes. And well, of course, such movements are anti-Christian, basically. That is, of course, British Israelism or Anglo-Israelism. And it is uh, an anti-Christian movement, basically. Its basic orientation is not religious, but political. And it looks for the triumph of the uh, Anglo-Saxon peoples the world over, and they and they alone are going to be saved, and the others are going to be their slaves in this new world order. And the prophecies concerning Christ are going to be fulfilled in the British royal family. This is total nonsense. And what they have to say is total nonsense. We find the same kind of uh, racist thinking present, of course, in Mormonism, because according to Mormonism, uh, the Negro peoples and the Indian peoples are not going to go to heaven unless they go through a special pur- uh, purgation whereby they cease to be colored and become white men. And uh, this is, of course, one of the problems that stands in the way of any Mormon candidate for presidency. And this has been discussed in connection with Romney, who is uh, the front-running candidate, perhaps, right now. But you find this in a number of these uh, movements which are not to be classified with Christianity. Yes. The word Israel, too, isn't it interchangeable? I mean, sometimes it means refers to the nation, and sometimes it means refers to believers. Yes. Israel in the Bible refers to the Hebrew peoples as a nation, but it is also used uh, in a double sense. There is the outward Israel and the true Israel of God. And in the New Testament, this especially becomes distinct this uh, difference, so that the outward Israel is cast off and the true Israel of God, those who are true believers by faith, are those who are the saved, the elect of God. Now, Israel literally means prince, a prince with God. In other words, someone who has standing with God by his grace. And the true Israelite, therefore, is the one who is a true believer. Yes? Is this the uh, Anglo-Saxon Israelite movement uh, spokesman, uh, your heritage program? We yes. There are several uh, speakers on the radio who stand for that. The American Destiny program, then Schiffner in... Uh, Tacoma, I believe, the Ambassador College group, um, what is the man's name, Armstrong, Herbert Armstrong, then there is a particularly uh, extreme instance of this in uh, John Wesley Swift. Some of these men are well-meaning men, some of them are dangerous men. 
Yes. Yes. Very, very definitely. They are uh, exactly made to order for the civil rights movement because they hold this up as a caricature of a conservative and a Christian. And of course, they have no connection with conservatism because their basic political perspective is totalitarian. They have no connection with Christianity because they deny, in most instances, the fundamental aspects of the faith. There are, however, some well-meaning persons, and I would say that uh, one or two in this area who do some broadcasting are misguided uh, and well-meaning. But by and large, it's a movement to beware of. Here again, the Hitlerian philosophy paralleled this too, don't you agree? Yes, but these, but Hitler never went as far as the British Israelites. By no means. That's the ironic thing. And the British Israelite movement has been very, very powerful and very high in the British government. And it's gone much, much further there than it ever did under the National Socialism. Yes. Yes, it is uh, basically the same belief, except the Zionists say that uh, all these things are true about those who have, uh, who are members of uh, Judaism and of the Jewish race, whatever that is. And the uh, Anglo, uh, the British Israelites say it is true for those who are Anglo-Saxon. Now, you have two groups in the British Israel movement, or Anglo-Israel movement, those who say the Jews are included and those who say they are not included. And one group is very, very passionately anti-Jewish, and the other is very passionately pro-Jewish. But they're basically the same movements. It is racism. Have you read the latest on Dolly Report? He gets into this a little bit uh, specifically about the man Colbert, Alfred Colbert, who was the, one of the big men in the Institute of Pacific Relations, but who broke with the others in there because they went pro-communist when he was holding with the Anglo-Saxon Anglo uh, domination theory. And uh, he became so disjointed with these people that he came out completely and fought them and then financed the John Burke Society. And another interesting tie is that uh, John Burns himself was a student of Frank Norris, who was the leading light of the British uh, Israel movement. I haven't seen the last report, but that part about Birch uh, having studied under someone is true. But uh, he never gave any evidence himself of having ever accepted it or believed it. And, of course... Robert Welch did denounce British Israelism when it tried to take over in vast areas of Texas within the society. So he has very definitely denounced the whole movement. And uh, Birch himself cannot be tied personally to it. 
if we were held responsible for everyone we studied under, we'd be in a, a sorry situation. Yes. What is that? Zionism is a form of national socialism whereby the Jewish people believe that they have uh, a destiny to establish a socialist state in Palestine which is to become in a sense a world center and a world leader and that it has a messianic function that the real world savior is uh, Judaism and those who are united by race with Judaism. It is primarily political and whatever religion there is in it is essentially a political faith. Yes. It's interesting going back in my life, it's interesting to note that uh, the required reading in the communist indoctrination program are Nietzsche and the other uh, authors of the Nihilist School. However, the leader of the group, and I'm thinking of one in particular, John Howard Lawson, in his indoctrination classes, always points out that if you follow their thinking, so far, we go to the state of chaos and destruction of the Jews. But then you go to communism whereby the state takes over. It's very interesting that they use the nihilists. Yes, and to see how the nihilists dressed, you have only to look at your radical students on the college campuses today. It was the same uh, neglect of uh, cleanliness, the same. Uh, extremist dress. In fact, uh, interestingly enough, they also wore uh, narrow rectangular glasses. And I'm told that in some areas this is also being used by these far-out people. Has anyone seen these? No. I believe tinted blue also they were. Uh, if anybody here is not aware of what's going on, uh, go through the Sunset Strip Friday or Saturday evening, and you can see every aspect of the complete conspiracy. The young people coming out of the universities creep out at night in certain ones in their costumes with their little glasses, uh, their Bolshevik outfits, the French Revolutionary outfits, the little hats just with the toys. Phrygian cap. And I saw several of them Saturday night on the strip. And uh, they're just followed. All these booths, you see, and so forth on these children. This is the copying of the Bolsheviks and uh, uh, Dr. Javago, by the way. Are there. No, these are the Shocky glasses, not the Benjamin well, whatever name they call them, the certain people have been using them, and these were a part of the costume of the nihilists in Russia. Yes. 
say that uh, certainly a very large number of Jews, the overwhelming majority of them, have no part of any religion and do believe God is dead. But look at the churches today. I would say about 98% of all Christians are in churches that are definitely of the God is dead school. Because anyone who is in a national council churches is affirming the God is dead movement, whether he likes it or not. And he has no business being in such a church, if he is a Christian. And the new national council triennial uh, general assembly study book for the world by Colin Williams, in effect says that God is dead and the necessity is for world revolution, for the new morality, and so on so that uh, we can't pin it on one group. We have to say it's there. And the reason for it is the sin of man. Men have gone for it because this is what they want and they're not honest enough to say this is the way they like it. It's the sin of man that's responsible. And that sin is in everyone. And of course they say, oh well, it's we don't subscribe to it. This is something somebody in New York says, but they do subscribe to it, or they would not condone it. They would not be a party of it. And in God's sight, they are accessories after the fact. Well, our time is exhausted.